get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline than a rule. And I know what I saw, and that's not what you're telling me what I saw. What's up, everybody? This is Josh. Welcome to the Ectoplasm Show, episode number 35. Um, and today, I have uh, I have some interesting stuff, some interesting things to talk about. Um, no more of this uh, doom and gloom bullshit that I, you know, that we've been talking about, uh, you know, the fucking world ending and and all that stuff. I don't really want to talk about it anymore because I don't like it at all. So I wanted to get back to just some freak-tastic ghost-type stories or some freaky just stories in general, okay? And so that's what I wanted to get into. Um, you know, um, no more of this doom and gloom stuff at all. Now, <laughs> this... uh I've got a story here, and and the story is, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe this at all, um, other than it's, it's beyond, like, paranormal, okay, it's, it's so weird, but, um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna get into it, okay, it's this Overtune Bridge, okay, and this, this bridge itself, is in Dumbarton, Scotland. Okay. Um, it's been described as picturesque. Um, it overlooks a, a rolling valley, rich with vibrant forests as well. So, okay. Uh, painting a kind of a shitty picture, but painting a picture nonetheless. Um, it says it's a place, though. You know, it's obviously it's gorgeous to look at. I mean, it's Scotland, number one, and Scotland in itself is beautiful, but it's a place that, you know, kind of carries a dark legacy with it. Now, what it is, this legacy, and you're going to laugh initially when I say this, doggy suicides. Oh, yeah. Dogs committing suicide, which is... (laughs) It's kind of weird. But anyway, so uh, over the past 50 years, 50 years, 50 dogs have leapt seemingly without warning over the bridge's edge, many then, you know, falling 50 feet to their deaths. I mean, that's terrible in itself. I'm a dog lover. You know, it's terrible to think about that, but it's weird. So get away from the fact that you know they're cute little dogs or whatever that are doing this but it's just the situation itself is bizarre now it says most of these suicidal leaps have happened from the exact same section 
of the bridge, which is on the right-hand side between its two final uh, parapets. There. Um, Now, even stranger still, then, all of the dogs who have died this way have been um, a certain type of breed, uh, long-nosed breeds, uh, specifically, like uh, like Labradors, Collies, Retrievers, things like that. Um, Now, some say, then, that this bridge is haunted and they insist that you know it's this it's the creepy catalyst that also you know spurred a local man then there was a local man that hurled his infant son off of this bridge and this was back in 1994 that this man took his child okay it's an infant and chucked him over the damn bridge which is disturbing in itself. But this man's reasoning for that is because he believed his son to be the Antichrist. So he might also be a little a little kooky. But anyway, whatever. So, um, Overtune, like I said, is the name of the bridge. Which also, that word is Celtic for, quote, the thin place, unquote. The thin place, meaning... An area where this world and the next world are said to be very, very close. The thin place. Uh, the veil is the thinnest in this section of the of the world or this section of Scotland specifically. So that, though, I, I read this story and <laughs> I was blown away. I was just like, it's kind of weird, though, that 50 dogs... In 50 years, I mean, that's one dog a year. My math is so great. One dog a year for 50 years. Seemingly, you know, committing suicide. Which, what the hell? You know, like, why or what would possess a dog to do this? Just jump off the damn bridge? I mean, dogs are, I don't know. Dogs are smarter than that. I know that. Um... But anyway, so I thought, I thought that uh, that was a good a good starting point for this for this episode. Now, I do have another another episode or whatever or another shit story. I guess is what you call it episode. Jesus. Anyway, so I have another story, and this has to do with what is called a witch elm. Um, and the story is called like, who put Bella in the witch elm? Um, it's kind of weird. It says a persistent murder mystery that has served as a boogeyman tale for generations to the locals of Hagley, England. And it began on April 18th of 1943. Four boys snuck onto privately owned Hagley Woods property, you know, just to, to go hunting is what they were doing. Now, um, while they were hunting, you know, they're doing their thing or whatever, they started to scale a tree. So while scaling this tree, they came across a human skeleton. Now, it wasn't just a human skeleton just freaking lying there against the tree. No, this was the skeleton that was crammed into its trunk. Crammed into 
the trunk of this tree. Now, <laughs> it says, despite fear of retribution for their poaching, the police were called in. And soon the body was unearthed, raising more questions than answers. Now, found in a witch hazel tree, uh, mistaken by some to be witch elm, was the body of a young woman. Uh, the public took to calling uh, her Bella or Belladonna, and her body was the whole. Uh, oh, no, her body was whole. Excuse me, her body was whole except for a hand that was found buried nearby. Now that's it, but you talk about this like, <sighs> I mean, this is bizarre to me. Okay, because obviously the the tree would have to then literally grow around her body and basically envelop her body and her bones and things like that. But then why the hell would the hand be apart if the body is intact? Why would the I don't know. I have no idea. All I do know is it's a jacked up story and I freaking loved it. Um. And so yeah, I wanted to tell that story. I I really wanted to tell the doggy the doggy suicide one though, because that's just screwed. It's just totally screwed. But anyway. Um But yeah, so I wanted to tell that the also the story of Bella in the in the witch elm. In the witch elm tree. So with all that fun stuff being said, I want to tell you guys real quick to give us some love on our Twitter page, which is uh, at Ectoplasm Show. Also, find us on Facebook, Ectoplasm Show on Facebook. And um, also, if you want to just reach out, shoot us a line, tell me how much I'm sucking ass or whatever, or how much you like the show. Uh, Because we do get those. We get the ones that say you're doing good. I have yet to really receive an email that says you're sucking ass. So, But with that being said, if you want to do that too, ectoplasmshow at gmail.com. And we will be right back with the rest of the show. Welcome to Paranormal Warehouse. Paranormal Warehouse is the ultimate social media website for paranormal investigators and researchers. Create a profile, add friends, upload video, audio, and photographic evidence, discuss theories and techniques in the forum, create a group for your team or find a team to join, watch, listen, and comment on evidence uploaded by other users, join today and support Paranormal Unity, it's free. Visit ParanormalWarehouse.com to join. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We're waiting for you. All right, and a huge, huge thank you to our our friends over at Paranormal Warehouse. Um, and if you guys haven't done so yet, go and check that site out. It is, it's freaking amazing. Honestly, it's it's just a big social network for uh, you know people interested in strange ass things. Um, I, I have an account over there personally, so 
you know, go over there and um, give me a look. Uh, find me. We can become friends and whatnot on the, the paranormalwarehouse.com website, which is awesome. It's so freaking awesome. Uh, people upload their uh, their evidence and, you know, just there's a place to do blogs and things like that if you're into blogging and stuff. I mean, it's so awesome. And there's literally, I mean, like the sky's the limit as to what you can actually do on the site. So a huge thank you to those guys. Love those guys. Um, now I was going across, uh, I was going across some new stuff and this literally, literally just hit the news. Okay. Um, as I, you know, I was kind of holding off this week, uh, as far as recording, usually I do like recording on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, throughout the week. It gives me a little time. Then I can, uh, you know, I can do my thing. I can, you know, kind of cut and splice and make it sound the way it needs to sound and things of that nature. Um, but here's, here's a little funny story that happened. So I have this, uh, this little magic cord is what I call a magic cord, whatever. Regardless, um, what happens is I plug in this magic cord and then on the other end of the cord, it plugs into my phone. Now from there, then I can talk. Uh, that's how, you know, we do like the Marie D. Jones interview. That's how we've done, you know, every time that you hear uh, my friend Jason Kupsik on the show, it's via my phone and via specifically that cord. So, you know, it, it's, it's crucial. <laughs> and I wanted, um, I wanted to have Jason on this week. Unfortunately, you know, he lives about three hours away from where I am. Uh, which sucks, you know, he's a good buddy anyway, but it sucks being that far away from your friends, but you know, life happens. But anyway, the cord went to shit. I'll say that the cord went to absolute shit and I tried, uh, to get a new one. So I went to my, uh, radio shack that I go to and I got this, uh, I got a cable and now they didn't have the specific cable that I needed. Okay. They didn't have it. So (laughs) what I did was I had to order it. They specifically had to order it from another store. Then it would get shipped to that store where then I would get a phone call and go pick it up. It sounds like a lot of steps and it's more of a pain in the ass. And I'll tell you why. I told them the cord that I needed. They ordered said cord and it was the wrong cord. So I was, I was holding off this week, um, waiting for that cord and I get the phone call yesterday. It was, you know, specifically like late afternoon, early evening. I go over there, I go and grab and I was like, not the cable that I need boys. Sorry. And they're like, Oh my gosh, we're so sorry. It was a little, little mistake, a little difference is the only reason that it didn't work. Whatever. So, regardless, um, Jason was, <laughs> will not be on this episode because of the cable issue or whatever. But like I was saying, anyway. So I was, uh, I was perusing around. So, and I'm glad. Honestly, it kind of worked out for the best because of this story. Now, this literally just hit. Okay, the news. And 
it it appears that New Zealand New Zealand's government specifically have officially um, released or are releasing a very secret confidential UFO government files now they are not the first country to do so okay there's actually a lot of countries that have done this now like countries like uh, um, uh, Denmark I know uh, Russia uh, the United Kingdom, I know, has done this as well. Sweden, Uruguay, uh, Chile, Brazil. You know, those, it just, in the last, uh, it's been two years, two years, that they have, you know, come forward and, you know, they've put out their own little X-Files, I guess, if that's what you want to call them. Um, it's interesting, though. Like, okay, we're talking thousands of secret files on New Zealand's UFO reports are set to be made public. Um, and it says, nearly 32 years to the day after our most famous sighting, which is kind of exciting by itself. Um, the files include every witness account of unidentified flying objects reported to authorities since the early 50s. Okay. Now, this is big, big stuff. Okay, like I, uh, I, I'll get to this in a little bit. Anyway, um, it says they've been held in uh, the archives uh, in New Zealand, which was uh, to make them available uh, in February after requests from the public. But uh, the defense force stepped in saying uh, it needed to remove you know, personal identification uh, to comply with the, the Privacy Act, which, I mean, obviously, yes, that's a smart move on their part. I would do the exact same thing. You don't want to put everybody's name, address, and, you know, basically their entire family and all their, you know, quote, unquote, dirty laundry out there. But this is huge. This is absolutely huge. So, uh, the defense force promised to release the files by the end of this year and is due to make them public this week. So we're talking if it's Friday when you're listening to this, then it should be available by today or uh, by the time, you know, Monday rolls around the beginning of the quote unquote business week. So yeah, I would. I'm going to be trying to dig some stuff up. I know that. Um, we're talking more than two thousand pages of files will be issued in twelve volumes. I mean, that's crazy. The squadron leader uh, Kavai Tamariki said the defense force would not comment on the files' content. Here's a quote. We've just been a col- uh, we've just been a collection point for the information. We don't investigate or make uh, reports. We haven't substantiated anything in them. So, the defense force did not have the resources to investigate UFO sightings. Is basically what uh, the squadron leader Tamariki was saying. They just simply didn't have the resources, but. 
the director of research group UFO. Okay, let me let me. It's U F O C U S. U focus N Z. Her name is Suzanne Hansen. She's the director of U focus N Z. Uh, Suzanne Hansen. She said. Uh, that she had been trying to get a hold of the Defense Force's files for nearly two years. She said, I started lobbying. And at first they said there was absolutely no way in the foreseeable future that they'd be released. It's It's been a long time coming. And I'm sure for her, you know, especially as a UFO researcher, you know, she's got to be just... It's like fucking Christmas for her or whatever. Um In August last year, the press sought access to the files under the Official Information Act and was told by the Defense Force the request, quote, would require a substantial amount of uh, collation, research, and consultation to identify whether any of that information could be released. And it was not in a position to deploy staff to undertake that task. So they basically said, it's going to take a lot of work. We don't really have the manpower uh, to do such a job. So, you know, tough shit, I guess. I don't know. But it's happening. It's actually happening. Um, it said public files on UFO sightings were available from archives in Z. But when access to those files were requested from Archives NZ, it emerged that they had been borrowed by the Defense Force. They, they conveniently were borrowed. So Miss Hansen said that she hoped the files would reveal more details about some of the uh, New Zealand's most famous cases. Now, we're talking... Uh, I'm going to freaking just destroy this this name, but... Uh, the famous case in New Zealand, which we're going to get into here, uh, is the uh, Keakura sighting, which happened in 1978, um, December 21st, specifically. December 21st, 1978. Um, Wellington man John Cordy, 77, was in the air traffic control tower on that night and still maintains that there was no logical explanation for what happened happened. He and his colleague witnessed inexplicable radar readings at a time when no aircraft were cleared to be in the area. Now, this is a man we're talking here. You know, he's in air traffic control tower or whatever. It's night. Him and another guy are seeing all these weird blips coming up on the radar and nobody has clearance to be in this zone. So, you know, what do you do? What do you think? At that time, like these are no bullshit type of people here. Okay. Um, anyway, it says at the same time, crew on an Argosy cargo plane reported strange lights around their aircraft, which tracked them for more than 60 kilometers. Numerous theories were put forward, but Mr. Cordy said none fit the bill. So, I mean, that's, I don't know. It's a scary thing. But, you know, it's basically like, oh, they're basically following you for 60 kilometers. And, you know, they have lights and stuff that are blinking. It's like, are they trying to, you know, make contact in some way? But whatever. Um, Here's a quote. Um, It wasn't a squid boat. It wasn't Jupiter. 
It wasn't Venus, and it wasn't harbor lights. What it was, I don't know. I mean, that's... It's scary. You know, it's weird um, and fascinating all at the same time. Um, Miss Hansen, who has investigated UFOs for more than 35 years, said that she had witnessed numerous uh, sightings in her lifetime. Uh, the first was when she was actually eight years old. She says, I was living down in Gisborne in the late 70s and early 80s around the time of the UFO flap when there's uh, an intense or an increase in, in activity. Uh, a lot of activity. It's very intense activity. And a lot of sightings were then, you know, coming forward from that. Um, it says it's reasonably easy to tell whether something is an aircraft because in New Zealand and worldwide, there are certain legal configurations of lights. So if they don't have those characteristics, it's not exactly identifiable. And, you know, all we're really talking about here is an unidentified object. That's airborne. That's it. It's like, oh, something's flying around in the sky. I don't know what the hell that is. Well, then by all by all definitions, it is an unidentified flying object. It doesn't necessarily mean little green men. But anyway, she says, then you're mainly looking at a moment whether it's able to hover or whether it's uh, moving erratically. You know, and that's, oh, it's just crazy stuff. It's, it's crazy, crazy stuff and very, very interesting. But it brings up a good point. You know, like I said earlier, there are how many now, how many countries now have been, have been stepping forward? Uh, the UK, Russia, Denmark, Sweden. Uh, Chile, Brazil, Uruguay. I mean, places like this and now New Zealand, you know, they're they're stepping forward and they're making this leap. N- more importantly, you know, they're they're disclosing this information to the public. But more importantly, they're they're listening to their people. The people that want this information and by you know every stretch of the imagination have the the right they have the right to this information now of course some of it needs to be like i was saying earlier some of it needs to be whitewashed you know you you take you take out the names and the in the very personal type information like that you take those out regardless you can call them you know client number whatever and their, you know, husband or wife, client number, whatever. And then get into the situation. You could even go as far as to tell, you know, where these locations are, what exactly was happening and where it happened. Um, you know, things of that nature. But you don't have to get all crazy and, you know, give everybody's name and sex and age and blood type and all that bullshit. You don't need that. What, what these people are interested in is what happened, what actually went down, and what is it that you put in these files. That's what we want to know. I myself would love to know, but at the same time then, you have to ask yourself, would 
the United States government, would they, you know, would they come forward and kind of follow suit with all of these other countries that have already started this process? And I would 100% applaud these people for doing this because this is huge for the UFO community, especially for those that are actively investigating and they're trying to help people, the the MUFON people, you know, that are trying to help people. Um, and it's not like it's a paying gig. They don't get paid for this. So it's just, you know, it's crazy. But it makes you wonder what is going to happen in, in the next five to ten years with just the global consciousness in general are we will the United States specifically the United States and I know we have listeners all over the world and God bless every single one of you guys thank you so much for listening and honestly I'm kind of envious of you and your governments right now um, because you know we're sitting over here in America and we're still, you know, we still have the exact same amount of wonder and, and questions. The exact same amount of questions that we have had ever since we started seeing these things. Well, now you and other countries have the, the privilege of kind of putting these things together. They can, they can take incidents... And they can start putting pieces together, maybe, hopefully, with this information. This is good stuff. And I I really, really, really want this to happen. Now, I know every year they do a, uh, it's a conference and it's in Washington, D.C., and it's got some of the biggest names in ufology that you can possibly imagine. People that have been studying this stuff for decades. People, and specifically, they have people that have um, been in the military. Um, most of them are ex-military. And a lot of these people are somewhat up there in age. You know, they've since retired. Um and they basically just want to say their peace. They want to talk about what it is that they saw or have experienced or whatever. And they want to move on with their lives. Now, I mean, I could talk for freaking days about this, but I won't. Anyway, what I was going to say is this. like They do it every single year. And the, the overall goal of this is to you know build awareness build consciousness basically around this subject and you have some of the most brilliant minds coming together in one room and talking about this subject and actively trying to get people on board you know with their theories and thoughts and all this but the main objective is to get our government to finally 100% come out with it already. Now, am I saying, okay, if 
if our government, if the United States government said, yes, we will do this, we can do this, um, the problem is that it most likely would be whitewashed. More so than it's more, it's going to have more taken out of it and omitted than just simply names and, you know, and, and, and family members and things like that. It's, it's, it's going to be way more than that. You know, it's going to be like, oh, Joe Schmo or client number whatever saw something in the sky and basically it's going to go into a long description of how they dismiss it all 100% just dismissed it you know basically you know lending itself to the fact that there are no such thing as, as aliens or anything that's UFO related what they could also get into oh that was our test our test um, military flights or whatever I, I don't know whatever but most likely that's what would happen so I know like I'm a huge huge fan of um, you know the JFK story John F. Kennedy has nothing to do with aliens whatsoever but I'm a big fan and I know there was supposed to be a lot of reports that were supposed to be uh, coming out as uh, per the uh, Freedom of Information Act and things like that. Well, the files did come out. They did. The problem is they were mostly all just completely whitewashed. You could barely even read them. And it sucks. Especially for a dude like me. You know, who thinks there may possibly have been a conspiracy involved with the, the, the death of John F. Kennedy or whatever. But that's not what we're talking about. That's for an entirely different show. This isn't a conspiracy show. Um... This is a, a ghost and, and aliens type show. God damn it. But anyway. So anyway, I, I absolutely 100%, though I have to say it again, I applaud those governments for listening to their people and providing information that they want, that they deserve to see. I mean, they're just, all it is is interest. They just want to know. That's it. And most likely they want to know, why is it that we want to know? So goddamn bad. Why do we want to know so bad? Well, those people that are actively out there and and pursuing these things, I don't give a shit if it's ghosts or, or demons or poltergeist activity or UFOs. I don't care what it is. The, I mean, it all boils down to a single thing. Passion. And why is it, why are they so the goddamn passionate about it is because maybe they have had an experience of for themselves. Something happened to them that shook them to their very core and made them want to know what just happened, why did it happen, and who the hell is behind it. That's why they're so passionate. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I absolutely applaud these people for wanting this information because I'm in the exact same boat. Now, you all know that, you know, I, I freaking hate aliens. They scare the shit out of me. Do I believe they exist? Hell yes, I do. I 100% believe that they do exist. But I don't ever want to meet one. But whatever, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But at the same time, I am a ghost hunter. I'm a paranormal investigator. 
if that's what you want to call it. I'm whatever the hell that you want to pigeonhole me in. Freak, I guess. But at the same time, I have had enough experiences in my life that have left me terrified and guessing at the same time, which is no fun. And so look at me. I have devoted a humongous point or part, excuse me, of my life to to actively trying to find answers. Now, the problem is in this field, one question leads to about five or six more, usually. And it's just a roundabout loophole type thing and it sucks. And then, you know, down down the rabbit hole you go because you just keep uncovering things and stuff. And then by the time, you know, by the time you've been doing it for a decade or two, you got a tinfoil hat on your head. I'm joking. I'm totally joking. <laughs> anyway, it's good stuff. Um, But anyway, like I said, it, it boils down to the fact that these people are passionate about something. You know, fuck it. Some people like kayaking. You know, some people like to go white water rafting. Some people enjoy photography. You know, some people enjoy whatever. I don't care. Baking, basket weaving for fuck's sake. I don't care. Whatever. Different strokes for different folks. Okay? Now, why deny them what they're passionate about? Why deny them what they have a general interest in? Especially if, you know, they've had something not necessarily traumatic... But something that has definitely stuck with them for all of these years. Why deny them this information? Unless you're really actively trying to hide something that's really fucked up. Now, in the case of the United States, I I don't know what to believe anymore. I always try to keep an open mind. Always. And I can always usually see both sides of every argument. Before I try to make an informed decision. Usually. Um, But when it comes to the United States government, I don't know. I honestly don't know what they were going to do or what they would do. And I would hope and frickin' pray that they would follow suit. So once again, huge shout out to all of those countries who have done this. Now, and I also, I want to hear, I want to hear your thoughts on this specifically. I'm going to be posting about this on the Facebook page. Um, and I'm also, um, going to be doing it on Twitter as well. I, uh, I just got a new phone and it, it took me a little bit to remember the, uh, the passwords and all this stuff. Cause I mean, Jesus, we have accounts coming out of our ears. Okay. We've got, you know, the Twitter stuff, and we've got the Podbean stuff, and we have the iTunes stuff, and of course, we, I myself personally, I have four different email accounts. Um, it's just, it's it's too much, you know. <laughs> but luckily, um, you know, I got a new phone or whatever, and it's just, it's basically the same phone that I've had. It's just an upgraded version of that of that phone. So it took some doing, but I finally got everything going, going and good, and. Uh, yeah, so got that rocking. So now you guys can email, and I'll be able to get back to you like very, very quick. Um, and that's good. What else? What else? What else? So, 
That's what I want to know. I want to know either on Facebook or on email or whatever. Um, if you don't want to post about something in a public fashion, you know, send us an email or send us a private message on Facebook as well. We'd love that. Um, and we'll get back to you, you know, as soon as possible. Um, and it's usually within, I'm, I'm usually pretty quick about replying, um, to people, especially listeners of the show. I, love you guys because you listen to this show and you interact and we have fun you know it's a good time um with all that fun stuff being said you can find us at um at ectoplasm show on twitter also find us at ectoplasm show on facebook.com and ectoplasm show at gmail Com. And I, like I said, I want to hear specifically what you guys think about this. Do you think that it is a good idea that these governments are doing this, that they're coming out with this information? Me personally, I think it's freaking amazing that they're doing this, especially for the people. The people wanted this and the people are getting it. That's damn near unheard of. Now, it took a couple years, but at the same time, it is a government and, you know, they're never really in a hurry to do anything anyway. <laughs> I'm only kidding, but it's kind of the truth. It's really the truth. But anyway, um, is it a good idea that they came out with this stuff? That they are you know, basically disclosing this information, their findings, their own government findings in a UFO investigation. Is it a good idea? Also, I want to hear, and especially if you are in another country, I want to hear from you specifically. Specifically about the United States. Is it a good idea from where you sit that the United States fall in line and and kind of follow suit here and disclose this information? In a very similar fashion, if not identical fashion, to the other countries that have already done so. Is it a good idea? So think about that um, and really ponder it because not only do I want to hear, like, I want to hear specifically, is it a good idea? Yes or no. But why? Why is it a good idea or why is it a terrible idea? And I, you know, really think about repercussions, really think about backlash and think like things like that. And um, we're going to be having a great discussion on Facebook about this. Um, So hop on over there at Facebook and uh, join in the conversation. It'll be going down literally all day tomorrow or today, all day today. Excuse me. As you listen to this, it's Friday. As I record this, it's Thursday, so whatever. But um, like I said, all day. Hop over to Facebook. Check this out. Um, and I'm also going to throw up some links also um, for these uh, for some of these different things that we've talked about, you know, throughout, the, throughout this uh, short amount of time that we spend together every week. Um, what else do I have to say? That's, you know, honestly, probably damn near it. Um, And if you guys have anything else, any comments, uh, any suggestions whatsoever, please feel free. Um, I love, love, love constructive criticism, especially now that, you know, this is episode 35 for the Ectoplasm Show. 
That means 35-ish weeks worth. Like, that's pretty damn good. Pretty good. And we are, you know, so we're we're approaching the year mark in doing this. And I'm damn happy to say that. Like, I am very excited about this. So, regardless, I, uh, you know, we're, we're still in our infant's infancy, in my opinion. And uh, really looking into all these podcasts and things like that and trying to learn as much as I possibly can about podcasting. And, you know, I, I personally, I have a degree in radio broadcasting, so I know how to freaking talk. Okay. <laughs> I know how to talk and I know how to twist knobs and things of that nature. However, podcasting is an, its own little animal, you know, um, it's different when you're, you know, talking to thousands of people over a noon hour and you basically just spout out the weather and what song is coming up next. It's a whole different can of worms when you're talking, you know, paranormal stuff to people who are interested in the paranormal. It's a very niche uh, type thing. And I'm loving every second of it. But, you know, the whole podcasting thing, it's, it's taking me a while to really absorb all of this information. Um, but you know, with your help and I, (laughs) we keep gaining followers too on, on, uh, Facebook and on Twitter and things like that. Things are going well and slowly, but surely we are, we are getting there, my friends. And I have you to thank for all that because we don't, we don't do any advertising or anything like that. I mean, it's all word of mouth stuff, you know? So for that, thank you very much. And I hope you guys have a great, great freaking weekend. And I will be talking to you all very, very soon. Everybody, peace out. I make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. Actually, it's more of a guideline rule. I know what I saw, and that's not what you're telling me what I saw.